Good evening, Vancouver. I think we are live here Monday, March 7th, Canucks After Dark, back once again. I uh, hope you are all doing well. As always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing, Clay? I'm great, Parker. I'm just vibing to this awesome music that you come up with from week to week. Uh, I'm doing well. I hope you are well wherever you, you look sunny. I presume it's sunny where you are. Well, it's dark. It's 10 p.m. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> the sun is gone. Uh, yeah. But it is nice. It is warmer than it is at home, so it is nice to be away for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we've got a uh, we've got a couple of couple of good hockey games to talk about, a couple of wins, which will be fun. We've got a bunch of other topics as well as we usually do. Um, so, uh, anything you want to start off with, or should we just get into things? Let's just get a bit. By the way, um, how'd you shoot today? I uh, shot an eighty nine, but wasn't wasn't my clubs. <laughs> it was. I was borrowing some clubs, uh, so it was oh. a little iffy, but it was lovely, lovely course. Uh, a McGillney on uh, a course without your clubs that you never, probably never played before, that's pretty good. Nope. Yeah, I was that, pretty happy. Boring. It was a fun morning. Fun morning, absolutely. Uh, so we've got a bunch of stuff to go over. Yeah. Uh, nothing major, but uh, again, trade deadline is two weeks away, so that's going to be a, a big portion of the show. By the yes. way, shout out to Justin bringing out the $5 Super Chat earlier because the, the Oilers sprung another league tonight, and the Canucks are a better team than Edmonton, he says. Yeah, the yeah. Oilers are struggling. They they can't get goaltending, and they can't win games. We will touch on that because they are yeah, we, faltering. Yeah, uh, we see like two other teams to struggle, struggle too, but we'll get into that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So... We'll break down the two games this week. Only two because the Canucks played on Wednesday and Saturday. Was that right? Thursday and Saturday, something along those lines. It yeah. was a it was a only a two game week, and they don't play again until Wednesday. But we do have two games to break down. And the first one I didn't watch most of because I was packing. Uh, hmm. But that was the Canucks taking down the New York Islanders four to three. A game where they sort of hung on at the end. I was watching the last ten minutes or so, and I'm just like, please don't blow, please don't blow. But it turned out okay. So, Clay, I think I'll leave the recap on this one to you. No problem. Yeah, Vancouver had the control play in the, well, at least from a shots perspective in the first two periods, but really the game turned in 45 seconds when our two young guns, uh, Niels Hoglander and Vasily Podkolzin, scoring 45 seconds apart right at the halfway point of the third. And yeah, it was a, you know, the Islanders, remember, they smoked us. They absolutely hammered us at the start of February. So it was nice to get this win, especially after losing to the Devils so badly. I'm just looking at some stats. You know, it's crazy. The, I, now I remember, the Canucks did not take one single penalty in this game. They did wow. not. Yeah. Yeah. So Islanders went 0 for 0, 0 for 0. And the Canucks went 0 for 2 on their own. So not the best part. But they only got two power play opportunities. So a very disciplined game i know islanders fans were screaming bloody murder especially i'm not sure you saw the highlights hammock basically tackled a guy leading to brad, <laughs> brad hunt's goal and the one thing i will say and then i love your reaction to this even if you didn't see the game um all four lines were responsible for each of the four goals um so that was kind of cool and yes hunt scored one unassisted but that was the lamical line that was on there weren't credited with any points and otherwise um every single line was on for all each of the four goals so it showed me a very very balanced disciplined attack a good game yeah and i think another thing that sort of stood out from this game just looking at the stat sheet of it is, is yep. ice time right ice time in this yes. game was pretty even right you have the top guys getting about 19 the lower guys getting about 12 but everyone was you know in that sort of that range right a lot of guys at 15 or so uh which was which is good to see especially in a game where they were losing in the third period right up until the t uh, basically the 10 minute mark they come out and get yep. two goals late 
um, but they were pressing right second second period we had the shots were 16 to 9 in favor of Vancouver a mm-hmm. um, bunch of goals right two goals apiece um, but yeah, you mentioned the, the the lack of penalties and that's that's something the Canucks have been on a bit of a trend on lately yes. um, which is good because their penalty kill is not great uh, so if they can if they can avoid taking penalties for a few days or a few games, and I mean we look at the Leafs game in a minute, but they only took two penalties in that one. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a game last week. I don't remember who it was against, but there was like four penalties against them and none against the Canucks or something like that. Uh, the, the Canucks are are doing a really good job of staying out of the box, which is really important when your penalty kill is the worst in the NHL. Yeah, and Parker Boudreau always says the two ways that the Canucks get a better chance of winning is if they take two, not two penalties, but if they're shorthanded two times or fewer and they give up two goals or fewer. So that's kind of intuitive, right? Both of them go together. But yeah, he's basically saying we have to be moving our feet. We can't be not moving our feet because as soon as you you stop moving, you're hooking, you're slashing, you're holding. And the Canucks have been doing a lot better. than Like Tyler Myers, when's the last time you saw him take a multi-penalty game? I can't remember. That's not a very high bar, but it is true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he had a quote before the Maple Leafs game. He says, yeah, if you take three penalties against Toronto, you're dead, right? You're yeah. going to lose. Uh, and that is fair, right? I mean, we're talking about some of the best uh, power plays in the league. And when you're the worst penalty kill in the league, it doesn't have to be the best power play in the league to, to take you down. But uh, so, yeah, the Canucks take that one four to three. Um, and I think by most analytic metrics, they were the better team, which is good. You know, the Islanders yep. are a team that has been struggling um outside of the playoff race and basically no hope of getting back in because that entire eastern conference is basically locked up um but they did have a much harder opponent saturday night one that felt like you know okay they they got lucky against toronto um lucky i say well they had a great goaltender against toronto a few weeks back where they scored a couple early and sort of hung on for the remainder of the game didn't think that was going to be the case this time but the problem with toronto is their goaltending has fallen apart over the last couple of months, especially in Jack Campbell, who still has like an, an above average save percentage because of that excellent start of the season he had, but he has been so unreliable for them lately. Uh, and the Canucks capitalized on that. Uh, Demko was great, even allowing four goals, but had some amazing, huge saves late. Uh, and the Canucks were able to get everything through. Alex Chase on scored. That's a terrible <laughs> sign. Um, but the Canucks were basically able to get everything through uh, Jack Campbell in a game where they were probably outplayed, especially when you take score effects into account in the third mm. period where the Leafs were just on the gas pedal for the last 10 minutes. But uh, the Canucks put six up on the Maple Leafs uh, and hang on for a win. Oh, yeah. So much to break down here, Parker. And it's very uh, it's very clear that Toronto simply cannot beat Vancouver, at least this season. I, were you surprised when you heard that this is our first win in Toronto since 2011? I was at first, and then I thought about it a bit. Yeah. And then I wasn't. <laughs> That's really not that surprising. Um, although, especially with last year, right? I mean, they played four games there last year. You'd think one of them would go, but yeah, I mean, the Canucks were yeah. great last year, so it made a little yeah. bit of sense. Uh, and uh, we got to give some props to Tron. Isn't Austin Matthews good? <laughs> it's 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 silly. Uh, he's so dangerous yeah. from everywhere. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who's got, you know, he's going to put up 40, 40, his 40th goal already almost. He's yeah. going to score 60 this year, uh, and he's probably... Still not going to win the heart, in my opinion. Uh, at least I don't think he should. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the Maple Leafs uh, have such a, a crazy strong offensive team. The problem is uh, they, their defense isn't working great. Yeah. And they ha- they gave up on Freddie Anderson, who is now a, a top three goalie this year, basically, for Carolina. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, a bit of a, a, a flip there. Uh, and Jack Campbell, like I said, started phenomenally, but we're talking about a 30 year old goaltender who's never been a starter really. Uh, and he's, and it's starting to wear on him, right? He, he wasn't, yes. he maybe he's not used to playing, having to play 60 games in a season. Right. So he's fallen off yeah. a cliff there. Yes. Yeah. You make a great point though, about Toronto's offense. So if we were Toronto Maple Leafs fans and we heard that Matthew scored two goals to take over the NHL goal scoring lead, John Tavares broke a long streak and Robertson scores his first ever regular season goal. You think that's a pretty good night for the Leafs. Uh, some feel good stories there, but our feel good story was our, was our top line Miller, Besser and Pearson creating uh, for checking a uh, Besser's bad turnover aside. But what's really funny is <laughs> they were on the ice for three goals, but the, uh, scoring them, but they only were plus ones. So that means they're on for at least two of the Maple Leafs goals. So that's not great, but they were all yeah. over the ice, both good and bad, I guess, and ugly with that turnover. Yeah. Tanner Pearson is on a bit of a heater right now. Yes. Um, you know, I, I've, I've given him flack in the past, but I think the last month, he has actually been playing excellent. He's got quite a few goals lately. That one diving poke check uh, in the last couple of minutes there to, to yeah. break up a play was fantastic. Uh, yeah, this was a game of just of just battling, right? I mean, they, they're up, you know, they score that one late in the first to take a 2-1 lead. Um, and then they they fall apart in the second period a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Toronto puts on the pressure. Uh, they, they get a few goals and, and now it's 4-3 Toronto going into the intermission and you're yeah. thinking, well, how are the Canucks going to get this one back, right? Toronto is all the momentum. The play is going to be in the Canucks zone for the last period, basically. Yeah. Um, but they go out and we get a Tanner Pearson goal, basically a minute in, right? Take all the momentum mm -hmm. away. Um, the, the, it's, it's a tie game. Uh, and then Chase on scores one to give the Canucks the lead. And then they sit on their heels. <laughs> <laughs> and Toronto really ramps it up. And I mean, the shots in the third period, 16 to 6 for Toronto. But yeah, uh, and that Luke Shendelieve game penalty didn't help anything. But uh, the Canucks hang on. They get the Tyler Mott backhand or the Tyler Mott empty netter. Uh, nice pass by Pedersen there. Uh, and the Canucks, yeah, they do hang on and get uh, go two and zero against the Maple Leafs this year. Yes. So I got three quick points. I love your reaction to each of them. So I actually messed up the stat. Miller, Besser, and Pearson ended up as minus one. So that means they are on the goal for two even strength. Besser's power play doesn't count. That means they are on the ice for three, <laughs> three Toronto Maple Leafs goals. Again, so you don't have to react to that. I just thought that was interesting. Here's one reaction. You know when, um, was it, who scored the, oh yeah, when Mott scored the empty netter, did you notice he tried to get out of the zone? Do you think he was, because you know I always say that he's kind of a puck hog and he always tries to score. Do you think he was trying to score from his own end or do you think he was actually trying to pass it to Petey to set up a scoring chance? I think, to me, I, again, I wasn't fully paying attention yeah. at that point, right? I was taking my notes because the game was about sure. to end. Um yeah. It looked to me like he fired it down sort of like just to get it deep. Right. And he knew right. that he had a guy that was going to beat the icing. True. Because um, I think Pedersen was well ahead of the play. And I think the thought was. was I like, instead of trying to force a pass to Pedersen, yeah. just playing in deep because worst case, it doesn't work out. And the Leafs get the puck back with 20 seconds to go. Right. 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 And most likely that's good enough. Right. At least yeah. you're taking some time off the clock. Um, and if it's not going to be icing, you know, they have to skate up ice and it's going to be, yeah. you know, 12 seconds by the time they're, they get a chance. Um, so I, I think it was a smart play and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Patterson to, to take the extra second and not try not to force it in front of the net. Yes. You know, great find Tyler Mott, you know, coming back with an open shot. I honestly, I I'm surprised Matthews didn't block it. <laughs> he got close, uh, <laughs> knowing how well he's playing. I, it, it seemed, you know, almost inevitable that he'd get a piece of it and go the other way, but um no it was a it was a it was a perfect play yeah. uh glad it was mott who got it 
Um, Petey gets a point on it too, which is always nice because I don't mm-hmm. think he had another one for the rest of the game. Uh, but overall, a uh, a solid finish. Yeah, great. Actually, great point about PD not forcing it in the middle to Lamico, who is streaking in the front of the empty net. Because if that gets blocked, now it's it's odd man going the other way. So that's a really yeah. really good point. Last thing I was going to say, Parker, I noticed um, because I didn't watch this game. I was at my church event, but then when you watch the replay and you watch the highlights over and over, I noticed that the three Canucks even strength goals, the first three, um, not including Bester's power play, were all created by the right shot defenseman. Hamnick shoots it, rebound. Miller puts it in. Hamnick shoots it and scores, and then Myers shoots it, and Pearson tips it in. So they they come around the net, they work it to the left point, over to the right point. They really like those guys with the right shots pounding it in. I don't know. I just it's something I noticed, but it's been working for them, and it's great to see. We need we need offense from our defense. Is my point. Yeah, and the thing that was helpful there was was Jack Campbell. <laughs> I mean, there's the two shots that just get slowly tipped five hole from yeah. the point. The Hamnick one, I mean, takes a weird deflection and goes in. Um, yeah, it was, you know, shots from the point were big. And when you're against a goalie that's struggling, put things on net. It's working. If it's, if you're able to beat the goalie a few times early, just keep putting pucks on the net, right? They're not pulling them. They're not putting Mrazic in. Um, so keep firing stuff at the net and, and hope it works out. And, uh, it did. And they needed it to, because like I said, Toronto had a ton of offensive going. I mean, I mean, you look at the analytics on this game, right? Like Toronto dominated the expected goals. And again, mostly from that little stretch in the second period and then all of the third period. Um, but it, it, uh, again, they, they have a good goalie, which helps, uh, and they were able to, to light up, uh, the opposition. Yeah, Demko, two massive saves in the last 90 seconds. One on the cross, crease to Marner. The other one from Matthews, short side. Two really good saves, for sure. So all of that, Canucks get two wins this week. Mm-hmm. They're, what, six games above 500? Five games above 500? What does that take them to? They are 28, 23, and six. So five mm-hmm. games above 500. Uh, right now, they sit four points back of a playoff spot. And that playoff spot would be Vegas. Oh, no, the Vegas is 68. I can't read. Um, they're four <laughs> points back of a playoff spot, which would be the Nashville Predators, mm-hmm. uh, who have 66 points, two games in hand as well. That's the thing, right? We are talking about a playoff spot that uh, a bunch of teams are up for grabs for, right? The the Oilers are trying to get in. The Ducks are trying to get in. The Canucks are trying to get in. The, the Predators are trying to get in. The Stars as well, right? There's a bunch of teams basically competing for two spots, uh, and that's why the odds don't look so good. Um, mm-hmm. as of this morning, which is the, the obviously one things update. And I think money puck updates a little more often. And I bet if I go to their website right now, uh, it might be updated. Let me see. It says eleven seventeen Eastern. So it hasn't updated since that Edmonton loss okay. from today. Um, the Canucks were at 14%, uh, mm-hmm. from the athletic and they're at 24% from money puck. Which sounds about right. I think Money Puck weights recency a little bit more heavily, uh, which helps right. the Canucks a little bit because they have been better recently. Yeah. Uh, while the Athletic is more of a three-year weighted model by player, um, but I mean, I, I look at those numbers and I'm I'm not like, oh, that's that's not good enough, right? Like, oh, that's that's unrealistic. <laughs> I mean, you look at the teams they have to catch up to, right? The Oilers look like they're within reach. Catching the Oilers isn't enough right now, right? Because they also need to they need to pass. Uh, one of the other teams that's actually in a playoff spot because the Oilers aren't right now. Uh, yep. Dallas is in a playoff spot and they are on an absolute tear uh, yes. with uh, with Robertson, who is uh, unreal, a back-to-back hat tricks. And then the Predators are on a bit of a heater right now. Um, uh, they're not on a heater right now, but they're still in it. 
Um, Vegas is falling apart, but again, I'm, I'm not going to bet on Vegas falling out of the playoffs. That seems a little bit crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So the Canucks need something good to happen. Uh, they have a seven-game home stretch coming up, yeah. but not easy teams, right? Um, and the first one, we're going to get to this, but I mean, you know, they got teams like Montreal, who's not good, but they're they've beaten a bunch of good teams lately. And when we're talking about playoff chances, and with the trade deadline being two weeks away, we start to get into territory. It's it's crunch time, right? Yeah. I mean, how game? How many games do the Canucks have before the deadline? Is it like seven? They have the all seven. They have- yeah, they have the seven games. Yeah, seven. Yeah, um, and that seventh one's kind of iffy because that's like sixteen hours before the deadline or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it really comes down to this, right? All season, or at least since January, February, we've been saying, well, this next stretch of games will decide <laughs> what happens. Yeah, and the Canucks always just seem to do slightly better than average. And yep. it just keeps them keeps them alive, and it keeps yep. them get them a little bit closer. Like, well, if they kept that pace up, they'll get in. But there's no way they keep that pace up, and then they do a little bit more. They're not going yeah. crazy, you know. They get a couple streaks here and there, and they they've won five of their last six, which is fantastic. Um, uh, but they they need to continue it, right? Yeah. Uh, and now this is it, right? Seven games to go before the trade deadline with uh, a you know. Uh, some expiring contracts, guys like Brock Besser uh, is the big one. Tyler Mott is on the table here. I mean, this is your chance to to make your final say. Wow. What do you where what's what spot do you think the Canucks are in seven games from now? Great, great questions, Parker. And and let's just break this down a tiny bit more. Sure, they're gaining a point on teams every week, but they're not gaining on all five teams that they're chasing because Dallas, as you said, is really hot right before that uh, Nashville or St. Louis. Are, so what's crazy is we sit there, we, we look at them and say they have 62 points in 57 games that says, okay, to get to 94, they need 32 points and 25 give throw in a two extra time losses. I have them going, they need to go 15, eight and two. 15, eight and two gets you 32 points in 25 games. That sounds reasonable. 15, eight and two. But then when you look at 94 points, Parker, if you look at the wildcard teams right now, they're actually playing a 600 points percentage. So that's 98 points. So maybe this 94, 95 point barrier that we've been talking about might actually be 97 or 98 points. And if that's the case, the Canucks got to win two more games. So you, I, I'm making the point, I'm agreeing with you, that it, it's simply harder than it. It's one thing that we've won five out of six. We have seven games at home, but we might do super well. And we might only move one or two points, relatively speaking against teams that still have one or two games in hand. That's that's why I guess that's what the graphic says, 14 to 24%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you look at you look at the teams around them, right? Like LA seemed like if any team was going to drop off, LA mm-hmm. seemed like they might be a decent bet, right? Because they haven't been great lately. Uh, they've seemed to be sort of at the tail end of their run and, you know, sort of the start of a rebuild, but they've won eight of their last 10. They have yeah. been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, they they got a big win. I think earlier today they they played, didn't they? Yeah, they beat Boston. Uh, yeah, yeah, they beat Boston. They were down with thirty seconds to go. They tie it up and, and win in overtime. Right? They steal two points, uh, and that's that's a hindrance to the Canucks. Right? Instead <laughs> of being, you know, seven points back, and now they're nine. That's that's getting to unreachable territory. Right? They'd have to yeah. really fall apart. Um, again, Vegas. They've won four of their last ten. They've been struggling a lot lately, especially they don't have Mark Stone in the lineup now. Um, but it's Vegas. I, I have so much trouble being like, oh yeah, they're gonna fall. They're gonna keep falling, right? The Canucks will catch them. 
I mean, they're one of the, they've been one of the best teams in the league for their entire existence, which isn't that long, but you know, <laughs> still it's the, their history is pretty good. Um, and we can say, yeah, the Oilers are going to fall and the ducks are going to fall. And those seem to be pretty decent bets, right? Yeah. Um, if you're going to bet on anyone to fall, that makes sense. But now you have Dallas going on this run. Yes. Um, so the Canucks are basically, they need to leapfrog Anaheim, Edmonton, yep. Yep. and Nashville, basically, Correct. to get in. Um, actually, wait, no, that's that's only that's still not enough, is it? Oh, no, that would be nope. enough. They can do that. that. Get them the last spot. Yes. Um, but, but, I mean, even then, right, that's, that's relying on three teams you have to beat. Either that or you have to leapfrog Anaheim, Edmonton, and Vegas. Vegas, yeah. Um, and I think Nashville's probably an easier bet, but... Yeah. You know, Nashville's got, you know, not that they've got some tough opponents coming up. Uh, so mm-hmm. we could see them fall down a little bit. But again, the Canucks are going to have to win games. They yes. they are going to have to to make their own fate here uh, if they're going to want any chance. And like you said, if that bar creeps up, if it's not 94, 95, if it's 97 points, um, yeah. then it's it, that's really tough. Right. Because we're yeah. talking about a team that. It is five points ahead of 500 right now. And we're talking about one that would need to get to 15, yeah, right? That is a, a great point. Jump. That's a great point. Yes. And, you know, I, I know we've talked, Parker, before. Remember when the Central Division got off to a really hot start and all the Pacific teams except for, I think it was Vegas, kind of sucked in Edmonton at the start of the year. And we were saying, oh, you know, five teams from the Central are going to make it. So the Canucks need to actually get to third place in the Pacific. Now, when you look at it, Minnesota, Dallas, Nashville are all within a point of each other, 66 and 67 points. So we can return our conversation as we've been doing for the last five minutes to the fact that they don't necessarily have to get to third in the Pacific, although that guarantees you they can, if one of Minnesota, Dallas, or Nashville fall off, and my money is on Nashville, just like yours, we still have to, yeah, pass Anaheim, Edmonton, and Nashville and keep, yeah. So not impossible, but I still think not probable. I really do. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it right now, the Canucks are, are basically what, 11th in the, in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They got to jump. They got to jump over three teams. It, yeah. It's really that simple. Right. They yeah. got to get from 11th to eighth. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know how much they play a lot of these teams. I don't think they really play. They play the stars. Um, yeah. The big twice. one is we didn't talk about, about Vegas. Yeah. They play them three times, but we're not really have our sights on Vegas right now. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we don't. But if the Canucks were to win all three of those. Yeah then that would be in the yeah. cards, right? But, yeah. I, I mean, they've they've historically struggled badly against Vegas. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it feels unlikely. And what's worrying to me is really, you know, where is this team, you know, 13 days from now, right? Mm-hmm. Seven more games. Mm-hmm. My fear is they go 4-2-1. and one. Yeah. They're in the, They are maybe a little bit closer. Maybe they're three points out. <laughs> but they're trending up. I mean, what do you do, right? Do you say, well, you guys have earned a shot? Or do yeah. you say, well, you, you had a shot, you got close, but you're still not close enough for us to to not make these moves, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, then you're starting to have to make decisions. Like guys like Brock Besser and, and yes. potentially JT Miller who's fallen sort of out of the talks a little bit. And yeah. Tyler Mott is, in my opinion, probably the, probably the most, you know, the, the most obvious trade ship right ufa really valuable for the playoffs uh you completely lose them after this year if you don't do anything contract rumors that seem really high um you know he seems to be sort of a key piece so if if they're just sort of still hovering around like if they lose 
four of the next seven, then mm-hmm. we start to get into that territory of like, okay, that's it, the odds just get a little bit lower, lower. Now you're down like sub 10% and yeah. you make those moves, but yeah, you win four of them and you're probably around 20%, 25%, maybe 30%. <laughs> you're starting to think, okay, well, do we hold out for a 30% chance and, and potentially mortgage the future a little bit, even though you're maybe, cause not making moves is the same as making moves, right? It's the same as basically acquiring rentals. If you're not selling your rentals, um, yeah, it's a it's a weird spot to be in. And I love the point, Parker, you make about the trade talks simmering down because if we were to go back exactly four weeks ago on our, to our February 7th show, I'm pretty sure we talked about Miller, Besser, Horvat, Garland, Mott. And now you're right, uh, whether it's Frank Cervelli or others saying that tr- uh, trade talks have died down because this management team wants to give this team, this current uh, crop of players, a chance to see what they can do. But you're right, finally, with the trade deadline two weeks from today, it, that window is gonna, is actually going to close to make decisions. So do you want to keep Miller around? If so, fine. Do you want to keep Hor- well, Horvat? You don't even really have to worry about Besser. Are you going to risk ma- negotiating? That's fine. So you're right. That leaves you with actually two UFAs, but Halak's basically unmovable, as we talked about last week. So then you're, you're looking at Tyler Mott. You're looking at Tyler Mott. And are you recouping a draft pick or or someone just so you don't lose them, like i.e. Hamus and Verbata from a few summers ago? Yeah, so Tyler Mott is the the big mm. one here, right? So we've had there was rumors floating around. Don't remember who said them because I sort of remembered it from a couple of days ago. But yeah. comparable name floated around was Sean Corrali. Hmm. Uh, and the the you know floated contract was four years. At 2.5 million, which I think would take Tyler Mott to being 31. I think okay. he's 26 right now. It would kick in next season. Uh, his birthday's in three days. Uh, so it would be his third age 30, 31 season, I think. Yeah. Um, two and a half million is a lot for a fourth yeah. liner because that's that what Tyler Mott is. And, and yeah. he's yeah. one of the best fourth liners in the league. And we can talk about that all we want. Uh, but the numbers don't lie, right? He, he, he has seven goals this year, which is great. Um, but he's not going to be more than a fourth liner. Mm -hmm. Um, two and a half million is a lot, right? And four years is a lot as well, because if you think Tyler Mott is at this level, I think this Tyler Mott we're getting right now, I think is right on the edge of being worth two and a half million. Okay. The problem is the, the risk factor, right? Do I think he gets higher than that? No. So there's really no upside to the salary level on the contract, right? The only real reasonable thing is either it stays there, which is best case, and I think that makes the contract decent, or he falls off a bit, and suddenly you're getting negative value, right? Yeah. And I think falling off a bit for a fourth liner, the problem there is suddenly you're not in the lineup anymore. Yeah, uh, if you know, two yeah. years from now, you know, you know, fourth liners don't last that long, right? You got new guys coming in, you know, whether it's guys like, you know, the Canucks don't have a lot of prospects coming up, but maybe mm-hmm. you do have someone, uh, maybe you go out and you sign 16 more fourth line free agents on the first day of free agency. And you, you find a guy like Matthew Highmore yeah. who for 1 million can slot into that spot and you use that one and a half million elsewhere, um, yes. maybe to pay for the goalies you have to pay for next year that aren't playing for the team so <laughs> it's uh it, it's really tricky and the the problem is do you say well if we have a if we think we have a run here if we think we want to make a run at the playoffs what are you giving up to do that because 
what is Tyler? What do you get back for Tyler Mott? I genuinely don't know. Do you have any idea? Uh, if I said to you second round pick, what does that sure. say? That yeah, sounds that's so, reasonable, right? So, yeah. so we're saying if we wanted to make a run at the playoffs for this year, for the last, there's what, seven games before the trade deadline, the Canucks have played, uh, the Canucks have played 57 games. So it'll be 64. So for the last 18 games of the season is yep. 18 games of Tyler Mott for a maybe hope, maybe a 25% mm-hmm. chance of the playoffs worth a second round pick. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the question you have to do. You have to ask, right? And we talk about asset management uh, and being the big indictment of the old regime, really, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, part of me said, you know, part of me wants to be like, let's just go, let's just have some fun, right? Screw the yeah. second round pick. It's not going to be anything. Let's, let's play, let's hope for some playoff games, get some industry stuff on, <laughs> down the stretch. But in reality, what is, what is, what does a fourth liner really yeah. give you, right? Yeah in those 18 games does that even cost you one game maybe right Right. maybe it costs maybe it's a two-point difference okay is two points in the standings with a second round pick this year right and then that's when you start to get into the the things of like okay well it's i I, i'm kind of wanting the lottery ticket right yep um and again i and i think all of this comes down to I, I think you again. This is a rumored number. This four, two and a half. Mm-hmm. I think they should be having these conversations with everybody at this point. Uh, yeah. I know you can't negotiate with JT Miller yet, but you should be saying, "Hey, when we get to next offseason, if we do want to extend you, what do you think that will look like?" Because if we think we're going to extend you, then we're not even going to try to trade you because because then it's worth keeping you. The same with Brock Besser, who we'll get to. If you mm-hmm. think you're going, if you think the extension's reasonable, then the trade talks don't matter. And with Tyler Mott, if you're if if we're talking three years at two million or like 1.8, 1.9, right? You know, then maybe you're starting to say, okay, well then yeah, we'll just keep you, right? And, and yeah. then this this is all moot. And I think that is, you know, the thing that we don't have the inside knowledge on. We get some of the news through Twitter and things like that. But yeah, that's it's a, it's a weird spot to be in. Yeah, Parker, can you put up Kai's comment just three from the bottom? Because he, that's exactly what I'm thinking. As soon as I saw your graphic that had a two at the start of Mott's that's salary, too scary. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I'm, I, I do one seven five. I do one eight. I might even do one nine, depending on the term. But as soon as I saw the two, especially when you consider his line mates, Lamico making seven fifty, Highmore seven twenty five. So you're getting those two guys you can for find one those four. out there. Yeah, and exactly. Uh, with all due respect to Tyler Mott. You can find another guy who could probably do it for $1 million, which is what Highmore and Lamico will likely each make next year, right? We talked about this, a one- or two-year contract, a, a bit of a bump. It's a 25% raise, which is pretty good. I'd take a 25% raise if they get to $1 million. So overall, or 33% raise, overall, I think um, I, I think it, it it doesn't make sense. And therefore, I w- I'm with you. I would capitalize on 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 moving him for anything, knowing that you guys have Lockwood, maybe Klimovich, maybe a couple of years away. There's still Di Giuseppe or Rempel, all these guys that kind of want a shot and they're trying to get a shot. I think, and don't forget Dickinson's still got to come back too. So if you're okay with Chase on the lineup, there's your top 12 right there. I know they're not the same as Mott, but I'm saying we have options if we do move him. Yeah. And again, it's all, you know, if we're talking about a team that's trying to make the playoffs next year, right. Yeah. And a team that's maybe competing in two or three, um, you know, if we're talking about a four-year contract at two and a half million, well, that's eating into that cap in your Stanley Cup 
contention yes. window that that you're trying to put together right yeah, yeah if it's one year two years you can get out of it right you can trade them if it's not working out right and, and even if you get nothing for them that's fine you can probably trade them yeah. um so right now the athletic does these player cards right where they yes. they, they give you a market value on a player tyler mott's market value right now at least per this based on his performance and and, and his impact um is 2.7 million and that's just based on the way he's playing this year, which wow. is great. Um, but it's the best he's had, right? He's playing above his projected in every single category, basically, except for goals. Um, so that that is the that's the tricky part, you know. Do, hmm. do you think he maintains this? Is is this who Tyler Mott is? Then maybe he's worth it. Um, you know, especially since this fourth line is playing third line minutes. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, the odds are against that. So, and again, you can go get a bunch of guys for a million dollars and their salary yeah. cap doesn't matter unless they're on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. If they just go to the mm-hmm. 50 contract limit. You can have, you can have 20 guys making a million dollars in the AHL, uh, and they don't count on the cap. So that's, you know, if you can try to find replacements, there's going to be a lot of guys out there like that in free agency and they might not be Tyler Mott level, but they might be half the price. Right. Yep. I think we're on the same page. Should we talk about Mott's line mate and in particular who that line mate got traded for? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess we'll go to this. Uh, Lamico, <laughs> that was a good trade. Hey, this looks good to me. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, all Levy, uh, waived by the Florida Panthers. Now here's the thing. The Florida Panthers are a better team than the Vancouver Canucks, right? Yeah. The Vancouver Canucks don't have a great defense <laughs> yeah. uh, to the point where Yule Levy was, was close to making this roster um, except if it wasn't for that bag skate performance, I think. Um, so we're talking about, you know, uh, it, it's not that big of a surprise that, that he got waived. How many games has he played this year for Florida? 10, 10, 10. yeah, 10 games this year. Uh, he had a grand total of zero points. Uh, he was a plus zero, uh, and he had two penalty minutes. So he literally zero impact uh, is what yeah. we're talking about here, right? Um, they wave him. They they lose nothing. Detroit picks him up, yeah. um, and Florida now has nothing from that trade. And I think if they hadn't made that trade, they probably still would have nothing. I think they Lamico would have got um, you know sent down, and yeah, uh, yeah. Juleson I think wasn't waiver eligible anyways, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Canucks got something from nothing. And yes. Olu Levy, a first-round pick just you know a handful of years ago, yeah. uh, has literally zero value at this yes. point. And um, I got some heat last, or I didn't get heat, but you know, I, I my hot take last week was Halak wouldn't play another NHL game. I don't know if Olu Levy plays another NHL game. I, I guess maybe for Detroit, I, he might play a couple. But sure, sure. I mean. I, I think, you know, he's he's probably not going to play another 50, right? He's yeah. only ever played 36. Is that yeah. right? 33. 23, 23 with us. And, yeah. I don't know what this is telling me then. Or maybe I'm, wrong. maybe I'm wrong. Oh, he's on pace for this year, 30. I don't know. It's trying to do elite prospects is trying to do math for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who might not hit 50 games in his yeah. career um, from a fifth round or a fifth overall pick, which is kind of wild. Yeah. But Look, uh, he got screwed up by injuries, right? Yeah. He he had a couple of really bad injuries before he played an NHL game, and he just couldn't keep up. 
right? We yeah. saw him get turnstiled early in the season, preseason, things like that. Um, things that have happened to some guys on the current roster. Um, but yeah, he just, he doesn't have the legs uh, for yeah. the game. Uh, hopefully he can get something going in Detroit, some sort of a bounce back, but seems to be the end of the Ole Ulevi saga. Yes, I've vlogged about this extensively today, so I won't rehash it, but I'll say a couple things real quick, Parker. Back in 2016, when we drafted him, we knew Austin Matthews was consensus number one. Then it went line A. Then it went Dubois, and I got excited that Poirier might slip to the Canucks at five, but no, Edmonton takes yep. him. And then we're sitting there, and we knew, and let's be honest, it was Yulevi or, or Serge, uh, Mikhail Sergeyev were the two defensemen, and then you yep. had a Matthew Kachuk sitting there. So we know the history. We take Yulevi, Kachuk and Keller go six and seven. Then Sergeyev goes nine. There's a Charlie McAvoy down in the teens. There's a Samuel Girard in there. There's like some really Alex Dabrinkets in the 30s. So there's, there's some good players. We don't have to re revisit all of them. But you're right. Then, we, then I was really, really... Uh, one of the proponents for him. Oh, defensemen take a long time to fight Sergeyev having two cups. You, you give him some time, you know, he'll he'll be fine. Then he plays one game in the playoff bubble, and then he has a decent preseason to start of he last looked, season. By the way, that playoff game, he looked okay. Yeah, he was fine. And then he plays 23 games, uh, but lost a spot to Rathbone and others on the, on the left side. And then you're right, had a not-so-good training camp this season. And then I can't remember when he got traded, but I obviously – near the start of the season because we've it had was, it was October like 10th yeah, or 11th right at the start and yeah Juleson who who knows maybe he's we, we don't know what he's gonna be but even if you went Lamco straight up for your levy look at Lamco he's improved we talked about this last week he's improved so much in his time here and uh yes we're not trying to dunk on anyone else or or because or, I want your levy I wanted him to work out but uh, it's just kind of maddening because in that four-year window of drafting, it was great. Besser in 15, Patey in 2017, Hughes in 2018. The one black mark, 2016, you're sitting there with an Ole Ulevi. Yep, it uh, it was a miss. Yeah. And uh, it happens. And the fact that, you know, they got a, a decent player out of it uh, in Lamico, you know, John Pond. I don't know how long how long Lamico lasts, right? I mean, he's what, is he 26? Is he that old already? Wow. I don't know. I'm guessing. I, I'm not yeah. a journalist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he's 26. Yeah. Oh, very good. Um, yeah. So, I mean, even if they get a couple good years out of him for cheap, uh, they're in a pretty good spot. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's all I got to say on that one. Uh, speaking too. of defensemen, speaking of – I don't want to be mean. Uh, Tucker Pullman. <laughs> What were you gonna say? What were you gonna say, Parker? I was gonna say, speaking of not very good defensemen. Um, <laughs> speaking of four years at two and a half million, uh, Tucker Pullman back at practice, uh, missed six yeah. weeks. Uh, gonna be honest, wow, didn't really notice. No, when you yeah. say six, that mm -hmm. yes, I, that didn't seem like that. So, long. there was a picture, I think the Canucks Twitter posted, like, look who's back, and it was like a picture of his face, and I'm sitting there, I'm like. Oh, I don't know who that is. I like, there's no context. I genuinely don't know who that is. I had to go to like the, the replies. Uh, I was like, oh, it's Pullman. And then so yeah, something said like six weeks he'd been out for. Him. I was like, I didn't wow. know that. I didn't know he'd been gone for that long. I didn't notice. Um, but he's back at practice. Yep, he is, and uh, wasn't skating on one of the top three pairs yet because he this is his first game. 
uh, he's skating on the extra pair with Madison Bowie. This is interesting because uh, do you bring him in, Parker? Because you're not bringing him for Myers, obviously, because Myers plays top minutes with OEL. Shen has been a bit of a revelation, as you and I both have talked about this season. And Hamnick is starting to find his game. In fact, two points yesterday, the highest scoring defenseman for the Canucks So uh, on Saturday. So what do you do? Where do you put him? Do you bring well, him in? To be fair, Hamnick did have that pinch on the penalty kill. Yeah, that was not that nice. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's he did true. make up for it, though. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Right? Yeah. They're doing fine. Um, yeah. You know, Pullman was a good sort of fill-in for him. I, I say good. He was a fine, you know, gap filler uh, yeah. for Hamannick. Hamannick's back now, and Ham is only Hamannick's great, you know, but he has been he's been fine. Yeah. Um, he's had his his off performances and off his off plays, but um, yeah, I, I think at this point there, I I don't see why you do make that change, right? We're talking about right. teams that's won five of their last six, uh, seven of their last nine. Yeah. Right. A, a team that's that's heating up when they need to. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think you change anything up. Uh, Have you so ever I seen think... Luke Shin play the other side? Uh, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm asking if he's if because I that's the only thing I would consider doing is moving Hunt out. Although Hunt's been fine and then trying Shen on the third pairing. But yeah, but, I think my know. only problem with Hunt is lack of foot speed. And I don't know if Tucker Pullman solves that really. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That's I fair. don't think he's really he's not like a, a great skater. Yeah. Um and my only other, my other problem with Hunt is that he plays on the power play still, <laughs> and that bugs me. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I I don't I don't see anything being changed uh, yet. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. All so right. just what with else? Pullman skating, then it's just Dickinson as our only regular who's not an setter, of course. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What else do we have on our list? Um, do you want to talk about Besser at all? Trade talk. He's like the number one name now. Yeah. Uh, but I think. You know, so so we we've we just quick rehash uh, yeah. seven and a half million qualifying offer. If the Canucks want to extend him, they have to make him that offer, uh, and he has to choose whether or not to accept it. Uh, but once he is qualified, he is still an RFA, and the Canucks can also you know sign him to a different deal for this entire process. Right? They can say, hey, mm-hmm. we know you. We can give you one by seven point five uh, on July one or July twenty or whatever it ends up being this year. Yeah. Um, but hey, do you want you know six by six or something, right? And and try to do something earlier. Um, and again, I, I think this is a conversation that they're probably having now, right? They're probably having these conversations with with Besser's camp, and they're saying, "Okay, well, are you want are you going to end up taking that seven point five if we offer it to you? Uh, and if that is the case, then maybe they are thinking, you know, something along the trade line. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they're thinking that doesn't fit into their cap picture next year. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they are saying, yeah, well, we're, you know, let's, let's talk an extension, right? Let's talk about something in the four or five year range and, and, and get Pesser locked up long-term. And then you, you put those trade uh, talks on the back burner. The problem with things like this is kind of want to have it locked in, in the next two weeks, right? You don't want to get caught going like, yeah, you know, we're going to do something like four years and then trade deadline passes and they change their mind. And they're like, ah, actually we want the seven and a half mil because we think <laughs> best is going to be really good. And we think he's going to be able to get more money. Um, so most of the stuff, you know, you want it locked in, in the next two weeks. Yeah. So I don't know if that means that we get some sort of action. Apparently lots of teams have been calling on Besser. Um, and I mean, if we talk about what Brock Besser is, right. He's a 30 goal scorer. Uh, a fairly smart player who had that one terrible pass up the middle yeah. yesterday or on Saturday. Uh, yeah. but that's fine. You know, one mistake. Um, 
who is, you know, part of a core that hasn't really done anything at this point. Yeah, it really depends on uh, uh, obviously, figure, literally speak, no, figuratively speaking, you know, what side or metaphorically speaking, what side of the bed I get up on because I, I, he's 24 years old. He still could be our best peer goal scorer. He's got a great hockey IQ. He's, he's underrated defensively, all these good things. But then I've always said the one thing that he can't do is pass. <laughs> he, he's a very, I don't think he's a bit. And actually, I know you didn't get to see the game, Parker. He actually had a really bad giveaway in the Islanders game too. So that's back-to-back games with giveaways. Nobody's perfect, but he's a little bit streaky too. He'll score in bunches and then he'll kind of be invisible for a little bit. So, but unlike Miller, he's actually said that he wants to stay in Vancouver. Horvat has said he wants to stay in Vancouver, whereas Miller's just going to say, I will worry about the future when the future comes. So I don't know. It, I, I could make an argument either way. I do know one thing. There's no pressure. Best, even though he's club controlled, Besser technically has all the leverage because he doesn't have to sign anything. He can just not, I don't want to talk. Just yeah. Give me 7.5 and let's see how I do next season. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to defer back to the, the sort of athletic stats because I, I just find them fascinating. Yeah. Um, he's on pace for 25 goals, 25 assists, 50 points. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but we know that he started a little slow and he's got like everyone did on the team, right? He's got, he's got 30, 30 potential, right? And I mean, that should be a normal year for him. Um, so they use this metric that's GSVA. It's like game mm. score versus average or something offense. He was projected at being basically zero value, uh, which is like league average. Um, he's at minus 13 this year. Uh, which is bad, right? That's like worth negative 13 points. Defensively, he's at a positive 10.5, which is in the top, like he's in like 70, 78th percentile, just looking at the like eyeball in the graph. Hmm. And he ends up being kind of average. And, and his his market value, at least per this, is $6.8 million. Okay. Which is close to 7.5. Yeah. So that that takes me to okay. Well, seven point five doesn't seem like that crazy of a number then. If you think Besser's going to be better next year, it also similar to what I was talking about with Tyler Mott doesn't leave a lot of room for upside, right? No. You're not going to be looking at that like as a high value contract, um, you know, next year at all. Or if it's an extension around seven or or whatever it ends up being, you're not going to be talking about how oh the Canucks have a steal unless he's scoring 40, 45 goals which I don't think is going to happen. It might happen once, right? You know, he might yeah. have one breakout year, something like that. Um, but it seems unlikely. So I don't want, I don't want them to trade Besser. And yeah. I stand, I pretty much stand by that because I don't think you're going to do much better with right. whatever you get. And he's still in that age group where you're not running out of time, right? Besser's still going to be a good player for the next six years, right? Mm-hmm maybe longer. Um, and that's, that was sort of earlier why I was on sort of the trade JT Miller side. Like, well, he's, he's probably only, you know, if we're talking about 30 being the start of the downfall, that's only a couple of years away. Mm. Um, have I changed my tune on that? Maybe, but I don't have to talk about it much anymore because Miller's name is falling down trade list. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I would be sad to see them trade Besser. I think he's a really crucial part of, the room and sort of the identity of this team my and then where i sort of bounce back on that is have i fallen for an identity of like a team in which the identity is 
not like it's a nice identity, but they've been losing. Right. Yeah. Like this core hasn't done anything. And, and again, have they have the pieces to do something and the coaching to do something? Maybe not. Um, But you know, something's going to have to change. I I think if you come back next year with the exact same roster, you know, something might happen, but something might not as well. Right. You, You might just run into a wall and waste another year. So I'm really wishy washy on this one. <laughs> the numbers are so tough, Parker. When you, when you say, even if you say Besser at seven, so for next season, at least Miller's locked in for five two five, and Horvat's locked in for five eight or whatever you make. So at least it's eleven million between Miller and Horvat. And let's say you get Besser for it. Let's say he just takes a qualifying offer. That's still eighteen and a half between those three guys and massive contracts for PV. Hughes, Ekman, Larson, Myers, Demko, and some of those guys earn it for sure. But if you go to the next season and you're just trying to extend Miller, he's going to want seven to eight. Horvath's going to want seven. Besser's seven. So that's three guys that making between 21 and 24, plus all those guys I just talked about with heavy contracts, you're going to have to be very, very smart around the edges. And maybe Alvin and Rutherford as his running buddy can do that. We just haven't seen that type of roster management in the last eight years. So that's maybe that's good and bad. Like uh, we can't say that Alvin can't do it, but we haven't, we don't know what it's like to fill up the roster really well along the, along the edges is my point. Yep. And there's nothing we can do about it. We get to just <laughs> enjoy the ride and see what happens. Uh, and hopefully things work out, but we won't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what we do know is that we will have a show on the night of the trade deadline, March 23rd. Oh. That's going to be massive. Uh, it is a Monday, and that's going to be a fun one. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed for that, and make sure you've liked this uh, this stream as well while you are here. Uh, we do have about 10 minutes left, but I do want to give a little reminder that this show is up on your favorite podcast platform as well. Uh, and if you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, we do appreciate it. I think someone gave us a, our first one-star review um, a couple months ago, actually, and I missed oh. it, and I wanted to read it out because I thought it was funny. Basically, just I just want to read the headline. Uh, the headline is "My ears are bleeding." Um, I think it's hard. I think we have good audio quality, um, so it was a little little sad to see that. But what else did they say? A five star review to balance that one out. Okay, okay. My ears are bleeding. Well, maybe he should just turn down his thing. Yeah, that might be it too. Okay. It was because you know it was before we had the nice background music at the start. That's the key. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, we're big we boys. To, we can take it. Yeah. Do we want to do a mini preview of this week or do we want to get to, qu- to questions? Um, let's do this very quickly uh, because, yes, there's technically there's three games before we get together again. Montreal, Washington, and Tampa. What do you say? Just give me a record and then we'll do, we'll do questions for a few minutes. Triple ones. Yeah. But that's lame. Three and oh. No, I don't know. I, I, I think I think they have uh, like like I said Montreal right now is one of the the hottest teams in the NHL which is weird to say mm-hmm. um, but they have been uh, they've been on a bit of a bit of a streak here they're seven and three in their last ten they've won their last two and they're play they know they beat the Flames one of the best teams in the NHL right now they beat the they beat the Oilers um, you know they beat the they beat the Maple Leafs just a week ago they beat the St Louis Blues they beat mm-hmm. the Islanders who the Canucks just beat. So they've they've beat some good teams the last couple of weeks, and that's going to be a test. Um, it's a game the Canucks need to win. Uh, yeah. It's one of those yeah. teams that the Canucks need to come out strong. They're coming off of a, a big rest, like a four-day break. Come out, win that game, move on. Yep. I'll, I'll 
Yes, I think they'll beat Montreal despite how good Montreal is playing. I'm actually, I actually think the Canucks may lose Washington because I, I want them to beat Tampa. That's Gail's birthday, and I want, I think it'd be a great birthday gift for her. And um, I, I, yeah, I'm excited to see them play against the Santa Cup champions. So I, I, I'll go two and one. I just don't know if it's the Washington or Tampa that they lose, but they got to beat Montreal. You, you have to win those games. You absolutely have to. Yeah. I think that's fair. So yeah, like okay. like we said, they play Wednesday against Montreal, Friday against Washington, Sunday against Tampa, and I think they play Tuesday or something after that. But we'll be here yep. between that, so you don't have to yeah. worry. Exactly. Um, all right, let's get to your comments, your questions. Um, some predictions coming through. Some three and O's, some two out of threes. Um, Ivan's very nice. He says the one who gave us a one star. That person is probably a Leafs fan. You guys are top class. Enjoy both your commentary. Thank you, Ivan. We appreciate Thanks, that. Thanks, Ivan. Yeah. Um, all right. What sort of comments, questions do we have here? I'm going to scroll up the list. Have you been reading the comments much? I haven't. Uh, I have one screen in front of me today. Oh, yeah. I have two screens, but neither of them do I read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are yelling into the void sometimes. No. We'll find We'll find some good ones. How far are you scrolling up? <laughs> uh, I'm back about 10 minutes. There was a lot of talk about uh, a lot of puns about Brock Besser, Brock Lesnar, needing a manager, Paul Heyman, a bunch of wrestling stuff. Yeah. That, See, that, that all goes right over my head. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to talk about wrestling, you can uh, subscribers, just know viewers, just know that I'll be the one appreciating it. Not, not Parker. Cause he's actually the mature one of the two of us, but you guys knew that already. Yeah. Uh, there was some talk about Mott earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kai earlier said uh, you shouldn't be paying a bottom six forward to and I think this is one yeah. we read, but he also mentioned yeah. at the end that, that you have guys like Lockwood coming up, which I don't think yeah. we touched on. Um, and, and yeah, that's, I don't know how good Lockwood is defensively, but that is, uh, that is an interesting one. Um, yeah. Shiraz, is there anything preventing the team from calling up Spencer Martin other than faith that Halak would play better to my hmm. knowledge? No. Um, I don't think you'd have to go through waivers on the way back. Uh, I think it's yeah. a genuine them thinking that Halak, this is a, uh, an iffy segment for him. Um, you know, he, he probably plays the game on s- next Sunday uh, before the trade deadline. Uh, maybe gets traded. Maybe <laughs> if maybe uh, I don't see it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they, they could, they could absolutely play him if they wanted to. And you made a great point last week, Parker. You said, yeah, it's very easy to bring up Martin because of obviously it's Abbotsford. It's not Utica. It's mm-hmm. so close. And it's a seven game homestand right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, what happens? Gosh, what happens if, uh, who knows? Let's worry about it next week. I'm just thinking if the kind of, if Demko plays all six, they beat Calgary on Saturday night, the 19th, and then you're staring down the barrel of a, a back-to-back at home on the 20th, the day yeah. before the trade deadline. <laughs> Uh, RP 88 asks, and I'll let you take this one first. Name one okay. thing. What, what's your key to the game? And he says to secure win next game, but I'm talking about, let's say for the next three games, these three games, let's say the Canucks want to want to get five or six points out of them. What do yeah. they need to do? What, what, what is your key to their success yeah. right now? I'll say two things, a good start, um, not getting blitz in the first period that we saw against Anaheim at home. We saw against the Islanders at home. So that scares me. Those two games, they got blitzed and they were at home. So I'd say a good start for sure. And especially against Montreal and even Washington, you're going to have a lot of uh, fans cheering for the opposing team, not a majority, but certainly 
Montreal game, we know there's going to be a great energy in, in there. So a good start, score an early goal, kind of shut those those fans down a little bit like we did against Toronto. The other thing, and we talked about it, Parker, right at the start, was stay out of the penalty box. Because our penalty kill, although improving, is still almost historically bad levels. Um, why give teams that opportunity to capitalize? So st- keep your feet moving, stay out of the box, no stupid penalties, no lazy penalties. And that's when they do that, they, they do really well. Yeah, I think my biggest one was staying out of the penalty box for sure. Yep. Um, yep. I, we've we've tried and tried to say the penalty kill needs to be better. It's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. So they need to just not be on the penalty kill. That's the biggest thing. Um, but really for me, it's it's keep keep scoring goals, right? Yeah. Like we're talking about a couple of teams. I mean, Montreal's goaltending is a bit of a question mark still, right? They still don't have Carey Price, obviously. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking about Washington, uh, they have a pretty solid goalie. Uh, we're talking about Tampa Bay. They have a very solid goalie. Um, yeah. when this, when the Canucks score three goals, they win most of the time because they have Thatcher Demko back there. Now, I think my biggest key in that case is to get some pucks away from Demko. He is <laughs> facing so much and he's starting to look tired. And like they're pointed out of the broadcast that like he's like hunched over at times. And I don't know if he's maybe got something nagging him or if it's mm-hmm. uh, or if he's just exhausted. It genuinely yeah. could be either. Um, but if this team can't rely on putting in Halak every once in a while, they need to get Demko less shots on net. Yeah. Uh, just some more rest. Uh, and that's going to be tough against Tampa Bay. Um, yeah. But a team like Montreal, it means you just have to be dominant. And, and that's something this team obviously struggles with. But um, Demko could use a night off and you can go put up like six on Montreal. Then then he doesn't have to try that hard. And I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tall ask, but it so- would be nice. Related to that, if you scroll all the way to the new comments, Parker, the very bottom C edit says, how many more starts do you give to Halak by the end of March? Would you just ride Demko all seven home games? No, you can't. You can't play him. They, the thing, the, what defines this to me, they didn't do it last time, right? They had mm. the best chance possible on the back-to-back to run your goalie uh, again when the Rangers and the Devils, uh, and they didn't do it, right? Because they had a, mm. a nice gap before, a nice gap after. Yep. Uh, and they didn't do it. They're not going to do it this time. Uh, and they're, they're only back to back is the 19th and the yeah. 20th. Actually, no, they have back to back right after that. They've got the 19th and 20th and 23rd, 24th. Yep. I think Halak gets, gets two of those games, unless yep. you do something like trade Halak and then it's Spencer Martin, um, which I think is reasonable, right? You know, if, if other teams think that Halak's just having a weird, thing right now and then a team yeah. like toronto is saying okay we need some sort of secondary option yeah. um then then yeah we're talking about spencer martin at that point um but they're not going to ride demko the whole way uh because sure. i just don't think he can handle it that's fair i agree with you and i like jeremy's question what new lines implemented by boudreaux that surprised you so i'll, I'll give you a couple i, I was intrigued by the horvat excuse me the Pedersen. Puckholes and Huglander line because they all play the same way, or at least they think the same way. But it was very clear that Boudreaux did not trust that line in heavy situations, especially with the two young guys. So I did like Puckholes and Pedersen Garland, PPG. I thought that was intriguing. Miller, Besser, uh, Pearson has worked out really well, especially how heavy they play. And the fourth line was a bit of a no-brainer because you can't really play any of those guys up 
any higher. So I think Boudreaux, I don't mind how often he changes. It, it's not like drastic. I don't know why he's doing these scratch your head changes. He's still looking for chemistry. And I, I don't mind the way that he, he can, composes his lines. Yeah, there's usually some sort of method to it, right? Yeah. Whether it's just keeping the fourth line together mm -hmm. and then trying some different combinations that seem to be rooted in like, okay, this is going to be a line that uh, is hard-nosed and fast. And this is going to be a, a line that's maybe a bit slower, but is going to try to set up in the offensive zone. And, and yes, sometimes it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, they get changed up. But we're not seeing things go in the blender three minutes into the game like we did <laughs> in the past. Yeah. Um, there seems to be some chemistry building, right? Between guys like Patterson and, and Pod Colson, right? And I, I think they've been working together okay. Um, you know, Hoaglander is kind of stuck on the outside, and I don't love that, mm -hmm. but it's working. <laughs> so it's hard for me to criticize. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I haven't been upset with line combinations. It's hard to be when the team's been actually successful. Yep. Ditto. Uh, I think we'll take one more. All right. Uh, and I think I want to go with, with C edits. Cause there's been sort of a lot of discourse around this, this week um, around Horvat as a captain uh, and around JT Miller. Let's get, I want you to start this one. I'm fine with Miller being more outspoken. I'm fine with him being an acknowledged, if not the acknowledged leader. And I'm also fine with all that happening with Horvat wearing the C. I really am. I think you can never have enough guys with leadership. And if Horvat doesn't care that there's another guy who's even a better leader helping him, and if Miller doesn't care that he's not the one wearing the C, to me, maybe I'm being naive. It's a non-issue. I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. no, the, I mean, you look at, I, there, there was the apt comparison, uh, the, the, the obvious comparison that I didn't, I hadn't thought of. And then it got managed. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Right. And it's, it's Henrik Sedin to Ryan Kessler. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's the, you know, Miller's more outspoken than Kessler was, but very, you know, similar levels of drive. Um, and, and Kessler was, you know, sort of the, the, the lifeblood of that team at times, right? Where he, he was the guy who would just go on a run, put the team on his back. Um, and, and you know, the Sedins were just, or Henrik Sedin at least was just consistent and he was quiet, um, at least outspokenly wise. Um, mm -hmm. but it worked right. And, and I think, you know, the captain, you look around the league, the captain isn't always the guy who's, you know, yelling a lot and, and, you know, and being the most energetic out there. Right. I mean, lots of the people saying like, oh, Miller should be the captain are the same people who get upset when, when Miller has these games where he looks lazy and, and he's just out there <laughs> swearing and skating slowly to the bench, right? For all but because the team's winning right now, it's easy to it's easy to look at the at the other side of it. And the fact that he has 17 points in his last nine games obviously makes it easier. Yeah. Um and yeah, Horvat hasn't been playing great this year, but again, same with most of the team, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. At least up until December. Uh, or even January when we're talking about some people. And yeah, I, I think, you know, unless he's getting traded, uh, they're not going to strip Horvath of the captaincy. I think that's yeah. absolutely absurd. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, that's basically all I've got. And it's funny. It just as a very quick aside, uh, a lot of people have asked me, you know, do you compare Miller to Kessler? And I, I said, aside from them being both American, both a bit snarly and, and both being centers. No, I, I think Kessler has a much better defensive game. I think Miller has more, uh, no, Kessler had a really good offensive game too. I, I'm not going to downplay 
yeah. Kessler's offensive game. I maybe this Miller is not as good defensively. Right. That's maybe the biggest. Absolutely. Difference. Yeah. I'm not even talking about play style. I'm just talking about yes. You know, they're they're the guy at times, right? Yeah. Where they'll they'll go on runs where they'll just take over the league. Yeah. Um and, and you know, Kessler's obvious notorious example is Nashville, right? That Nashville yeah. series. Yeah. Uh and Miller is right now, right? Where he's seemingly just unstoppable. Uh he, yeah. he scores every game, uh, he's racking up points. Um yep. And yeah, uh, I I don't think anything needs to be changed, really. Very good. Very good. All right. We're going to wrap up there, folks. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. I hope you enjoyed. If you missed any part of it, like I said, you can find us uh, on your favorite podcast platform, uh, or you can rewind back to the beginning of this. Uh, you can find me at Parker's Pucks on Twitter and YouTube. Clay at Canuck Clay on Twitter and YouTube. It's pretty easy. It's all linked in the description as well. If you want to find us elsewhere, um, Clay, any parting words for the night? Well, Parker, thank you for taking time out of your vacation to do this. I think it's a good show. I just saw the one-star rating. I'm actually laughing. The guy's pretty funny, but I'm not too worried about it. (laughs) And overall, yeah, let's keep it going. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. The Canucks are going to win four or five of these seven games, and they're going to be in the exact same spot exactly two weeks from now. But we'll worry about that then. (laughs) Yep, it is going to be interesting for sure. Uh, we'll be back here next Monday, 10 p.m. Yeah. as usual. And the one after that, of course, is the trade deadline. You won't want to miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you hit the like button. Do all that good stuff. Uh, and we will see you next time.